I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. Joining me now is Lewis Hobber. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Good. Now, you're not on the podcast tonight. Where are you going to be? Dan, ever since uh, the big news for us last week, I've been inundated with offers to join the cultural elite on their red carpets, in their mansions, on their yachts, on their helicopters, in their (laughs) private jets. And uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be joining all the glitz and the glamour tonight at the opening night of Jack and Little Pill, the Alana Morissette <laughs> musical. So you call me just before I walk down the red carpet to see Natalie Bassingthwaite do her thing. Uh, I like that. Some people went to the Actors this week or the uh, Australian Directors Guild, but you are going to the red carpet of Jagged Little Pill. Isn't that ironic? And you're a director. <laughs> it is. I've um, placed 10,000 spoons somewhere around the theatre and I've left one loaf of bread in the middle. And when they realise all they need is a knife, this whole place is going to go to town on it. <laughs> God. Well, I just thought I'd give you a call before we do this because I just wanted to acknowledge that we won. For people who, who haven't been following us on social media, we won Best Comedy Podcast at the Australian Podcast Awards. And I just wanted to say thank you, Lewis. It's been uh, an absolute privilege this year. I feel like we've gone strength to strength. Yeah, it was. Uh, you and I are both very surprised. Um, <laughs> And and delighted, of course, really honoured because it was, you know, there's a lot of incredible people up in that category and, you know, we, we didn't expect to get it two years in a row, but it was, I think going in, we were like, ah, well, we won't want it. And then afterwards, we had a real moment of, of gratitude going like, you know what, we're really proud of ourselves. We're really grateful to all the people who listened. So yeah. thank you to everyone who listened. And yeah, especially thank you to our Patreon supporters who keep us afloat and keep the costs of this podcast in check. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, please go to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear. And that money goes to doing frivolous things, Lewis, um, in, in, in order to in order to console the chaser who, who were nominated for best comedy, uh, yet didn't even make it into the top three. I spent $90 and sent them by delivery a ham. <laughs> As Very a, kind. I just didn't want them to leave the awards em- empty-handed. So, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! 
And it's that kind of quality comedy that gets you to the top of the podcast award. And, Lewis, if you want to see top quality puns like that, you can come and see us live on stage at our live show in January. We've got a few in January, in February, but the big one is our 10-year anniversary show at the Opera House, Lewis. It's so exciting, Dan. Obviously, um, I won't be attending. I'll just be out the front <laughs> at the red carpet, glad handing all the high rolls in attendance. Is that Kate Blanchett? Oh, you shouldn't need to come and see our podcast, Kate. <laughs> so Lewis will be late to that show. Uh, Lewis is going to yeah. be doing it. Also, Amy Ramikas from The Guardian, Gabby Bolt from The Chaser, Dylan Bain from News Fighters, uh, and also the treasurer of New South Wales, Matt Keane, is going to be joining us on stage. I haven't quite figured out what we're going to do with Matt Keane. I figure the best thing to do would be to try and bribe him with some Patreon money. Sure. Yeah. Let's see if he's open to it. <laughs> and uh, we are we are booking one more extra special guest. So get your tickets at the Opera House website and do come along. Uh, I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal Land of the Oronation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dickum, and Section 44. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, the Prime Minister of Finland, Sanna Marin, has been criticised for visiting a nightclub despite being exposed to COVID-19. Could this finish her career? And to improve his chances of re-election, the Scott Morrison has today announced that he'll be running as an independent candidate for the electorate of Cook. And the Religious Discrimination Bill has been shelved, which I think that means the coalition have shoved out their ass so it can be absorbed more quickly. It is the 10th of December, which means there's only 48 sleeps until Scott Morrison may call an election. This is a rational fear. A rational fear. Hello, welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, Dan Illich, former Bathurst 100 champagne bottle. And this is A Rational Fear, the show that takes the scariest stories of the week and drinks them down with a shot of lime. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. He's got the sharpest eye in the Canberra gallery and when he's in full flight, he's part human, part SD card reader. It's the bloke from Talking Pictures, Mike Bowers. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Dan. Uh, I've, I've seen you in full flight. You are, you are like Robocop. Um, have you ever considered, um, you know, getting some of those SD card readers permanently implanted into your body? I, I actually, I'm, I'm fully Bluetooth now. I just have to really put it on my tongue and I can, you know, transfer them. <laughs> and she writes jokes, doodles jokes, and sometimes she says jokes too. It's the political cartoonist Fiona Kataskis. Great to be here, Dan. It's uh, it's an honour. I now I won't have anything to listen to tomorrow because this is my standard fare, and I don't <laughs> want to listen to myself. But I I uh, will enjoy it being here, and um, yes, it's great to be here. And he's one of uh, Melbourne's most prestigious private school boys. Uh, he went to school with some of this country's future leaders, which is why he threw it all away to do comedy. It's Yanni Agisolo. Oh, thank you very much for outing me like so early on, Dan. Well, I know I, I decided to out you out now so we could talk about it a little bit later on because it, we, we, it's going to come up. It always does. I've been running from my past for too long. <laughs> Coming up later, we speak with Zoe Daniel, the former foreign correspondent who is running as an independent in next year's election. We'll ask her how she'll defund the ABC. But first, here is a message from this week's sponsor. Good morning, everyone, and fellow Australians. 
Many people are asking me, when am I going to run for politics? Well, there's no better time to step up than after being stood down. So, after being the king of broadcasting on 2UE and 2GB, I'm joining the LNP. After all, they share my values. We both deny the existence of climate change. We both deny the existence of women. We both know how to do cash for comment. Speaking of, there's never been a better time for a gas-led recovery. Nine out of ten epidemiologists agree the best way to cure a respiratory virus like COVID-19 is with a gas pipeline, pumping delicious natural methane to everyone's home where they sleep. Turn on your gas pipe today. And when it comes to accountability, I'm not scared of a federal ICAC. After all, I've had to face ACMA a number of times. Remember when I started a race right? I was held accountable and forced to say sorry. Oh, God, that was hard. It was only a race right. So vote one me, Alan Jones. Oh, I'm Alan Jones. I think it's good just to do a quick plug for the sponsor here. According to rumours online, you know, perhaps, you know, this time tomorrow, Alan Jones could be making some kind of announcement about his future. Oh, I wonder what that announcement could be. Yanni? It's about time. It's about time. I mean, if there's one thing that Australia needs, it's more of Alan Jones's opinions in a public <laughs> forum with um, at least now an outward agenda. And and the added bonus, you know, that he can go into Parliament and be fully protected with any rant that he wishes to have. That's oh exactly my God. right. He's like, he can lean in when they're in the middle of a diatribe and go, gentlemen, I'm a professional. I've done this for 30 years. <laughs> yep. Lean into parliamentary privilege. What about portfolio? I mean, do you people think Alan Jones would prefer to be inside the Cabinet or out of the Cabinet? I think it's a newly newly created position called Minister for Information. <laughs> uh, look, uh, it, it, typically I think Alan's an outside the tent pissing in type of guy, but, you know, <laughs> 80's a new 70, so if he gets elected, this could be a brand new start. I can see him in the Cabinet. I can see him yeah. in the Cabinet. Fiona, what role do you think Alan would have in Cabinet? Okay, well, I reckon they'd create a whole new portfolio for him and rather than the Minister for Defence, he'd be the Minister for Offence and he'd just list <laughs> all the things that he's offended about all the time. There'd be woke, we'd hear about woke things all the time. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Like he could just do his like 10 minutes of hate a day and just stand there and squawk about how terrible and everything is and, and, and look, it would probably win votes. It would probably it win would. votes. And if anyone complained, he could just say, what, you've all been harping on about more government transparency. Now this is exactly what we think. <laughs> Alan, you've got it made. Listen to a rational fear. <laughs> That's why I put that joke in about ACMA because it's like ACMA is like the tooth, most toothless government body in the world and, you know, you can you can actually create a race, right, and all you have to do is apologise. <laughs> like he, he wouldn't be scared of a federal ICAC or rather the model of federal ICAC that ScoMo is, pro- is proposing. The heavy hand. Yes, the wet lettuce approach again. It's funny when Australia chooses to be light-handed, you know, in its enforcement of things. Like, it's very bipolar, isn't it? Like, you're speeding and then all of a sudden you got your $400 fine. There's no question about that, right? But when it comes to a federal ICAC, they're like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do it. I mean, I think we could do it more in an advisory capacity. <laughs> this week's first fear, Scott Morrison has confirmed that Australian officials and diplomats would not attend the Beijing Winter Olympics, which is a big relief to Anastasia Palaszczuk. The boycott led by the USA is a small gesture of pressure upon China in relation to their human rights violations in the Xinjiang province. Chinese officials in Beijing have in turn accused Scott Morrison of political posturing to which the rest of Australia said, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what he does all the time. Do, does it matter that Australian officials aren't attending the Winter Olympics, Yanni? 
I found the phrasing interesting because, you know, you're like, oh, this is what Scott Morrison does. But, you know, you can't call boycotting posturing. Like, that's literally what it is. <laughs> like, it's actually just going, yeah, that's what not going to your party because of all the bad <laughs> things you're doing is. It's a posture. Like, so it's, I'm just saying, like, from a, you know, from a, from a nomenclature point of view. As someone who's held parties in the past and has complained that people aren't turning up and it's labelled it as posturing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like it's all the kidnapping and genocide. That's why we're not coming for drinks on Friday, Yanni. <laughs> no, so I, I read this one and I, you know, but you know how sometimes you, you don't hear the full story initially and I thought, oh, this is big. They're going to boycott the Olympics. This is like 1980 all over again. And then they were like, oh, it's just extending to the diplomats. And I was like, wow, that's actually quite a compliment. You know, it's like, you know, the collective succubi of the Olympic diplomatic corps that you guys have to kiss ass to and like, you know, and be like, yeah, we're not sending them. And if I were China, I'd be like, thank you very much. It might help us to get these games done under budget. I loved the reaction that the Chinese had, which was like, mm. well, you weren't invited anyway. So. <laughs> yes. There's been a few different ones. There's the kind of like, yeah, well, we're, well, you weren't invited anyway. And then there was um, then this, I, I, I don't know, sometimes, I don't know, do you ever read news articles and you just see the choice of words that people have used and go, oh, that's new. So I, I was reading one of the articles about this and, um, you know, because the Chinese obviously flexing their muscle more now. And the Chinese said um, several countries might be wary of not overplaying their hand. <laughs> yes. What do you mean? Like, uh, is that and like, like, is that like, uh, like really calling out Jamaica and their bobsled team? Is that what they're saying there? <laughs> no, it's the, I think it's a political equivalence, the diplomatic equivalence to Clint Eastwood or you're feeling lucky punk. <laughs> yeah. If you're an Australian athlete, though, you'd probably be happy that Australian officials aren't going. I mean, if you won, if you won gold in Beijing at the Winter Olympics, you'd then have to go to the embassy and get a photo with Peter Dutton, probably. And so, it's lucky. It's really, yeah. it's a really a fortunate yeah. thing. You don't actually have to do that now. Dan, you're missing the point here, which is something that I find kind of hilarious. Is it, it'd have more impact if we boycotted something that we actually <laughs> yeah. are good at or actually yeah, attended. Yeah. Like this is like we're not turning up to something that we're not competing in or if we do we'll come last except for, you know, the Stephen Bradbury thing. Which We've is- already got one Bradbury. We don't need another yeah. another one. If China wanted to hold a sporting event we should boycott, they should hold the ashes so we can boycott that. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Then, we, then it would be a big deal if we boycotted it. Have we got your attention now? Winter Olympics, they're not a big deal in Australia really, except for if they're good, you know, dramatic ones like Sochi. Remember Sochi when there was like construction issues and corruption and it was the most expensive um, thing ever and then the toilets didn't connect. Remember there were all those stories and it was really like, <laughs> fuck, is it going to happen? And then Putin's mates are just reeling in the cash. And then after that a whole lot of Russians we got, um, you know, had drug issues, had, a, you know, whatever they were um What's it called? Performance-enhancing oh, drugs and they got banned. That's what you want out of a fucking uh, Winter Olympics. You don't just want some diplomats not turning up. The best jeopardy in Sochi in 2012, I believe, was the lack of snow. Like they actually had a Winter Olympics without any snow. So that was <laughs> that was <laughs> a real trick. That was a real trick there. Climate change. Da, 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 da. I, I think it's a it's a comment on the quality of our um of our leadership at the moment that we don't have a PM. Like if we had a better PM, then when, you know, when they said, um, oh, so uh, do you think it'll affect the Australian curling team that the diplomats aren't there? He could have just lent in and gone, look, I don't hold a mop, mate. <laughs> oh, nice. Can any of you guys name the Minister for Sport? 
the Minister for Sport. Minister, is it? Um, is it? Is it Fletcher? Is it like arts and sport, or is sport? No, sport would have its own portfolio mm. in this. See. <laughs> who gives a shit if the diplomats go or not? Who is it, Mike? Who is it's it? Richard, it's Richard Colbeck. Aged care and sport. Yeah, they go together. And they put them together. Is he still aged care? And youth, I think, ah, as well. That's a bit of a – you don't really think of aged aged care and sport as a, a combined portfolio. They don't sort of naturally go <laughs> oh, together. Oh, that would be hilarious. I think that's Roman Empire <laughs> stuff right there, you know. Um, I would refer to the minister for um, – Oh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I, got, I got gold in the 300 Zimmer frame. <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is, you know, I, I've been saying all week, we're not looking in the re- um, in, into the into the review, through the review mirror, we're looking through the front windscreen. A rational fear. This week's second fear. On Saturday, the youngest national leader in the world, the Finnish Prime Minister, her name is Sanna Marin, went out clubbing until 4am. At the same time, her foreign minister had tested positive to COVID, but Prime Minister Marin didn't know this because she had her phone at home and the Helsinki press, press have completely ripped into her for not isolating. She did a test on Sunday, which was negative. Mike, why do you think this story is interesting? Should we encourage more of our leaders to be clubbing at 4am? Absolutely. She was seen dancing and partying at a place called the Butcher's Club, Dan, in the the nation's capital until the wee hours, 4am. And the trouble came when she got home, of course, and read all these uh, text messages saying, you must isolate immediately. Uh, So she she went and had a test and, of course, uh, it came up negative. But uh, Gossip Magazine uh, published pictures of Miss Marin uh, partying with her friends and he amplified the criticism. And it got me thinking, we really don't have any politicians in our stable in Australia, state or federal, who are capable of partying till 4am. And <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if they could? Tim Smith, well, you, I, I, is your criticism of Tim Smith that he wouldn't make it to four? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, look, I, I, I got to thinking who might be capable. I think probably George Christensen, the member for Dawson, would probably be capable <laughs> Who knows? He probably does it in another country till 4 a.m. <laughs> um, the appropriately named and previously mentioned uh, Senator Alex Antic uh, may create less trouble for his own government if he perhaps confined his antics to the dance floor. <laughs> Our own version here happened the other night when the National Party went it to let its hair down at the Kingo, the pub in Canberra. And um, (laughs) Sam McMahon was uh, allegedly taking air swings at the Nationals' federal director, Jonathan Hawkes, as she left the party. Didn't this just come after Barnaby Joyce saying we need to show more respect in the National Party? (laughs) Exactly. We need to respect each other more. Here comes Senator Uh, McMahon air swinging at the National Director. Apparently someone requested the Macarena and they cut off someone else's favourite song (laughs) and it all went downhill from there. I wondered whether we could elevate this clubbing to a sort of a diplomacy yeah. level and perhaps our Prime Minister Scott Morrison, Peter Dutton and Michael Pizzullo. Oh, that sounds like a grim night out. Could exchange the drums of war for some <laughs> doof doof on the dance floor with Chinese leaders uh, uh, to solve our current tensions perhaps. It's yeah, worth a try, no, I think. T- get, on, get on the Xi Jinpingers. Uh, hey. like, uh, <laughs> in the 70s we had ping pong diplomacy. Well, this could be That's pinger true. diplomacy. <laughs> I love this comment from YouTube. Man with not dominant claw says Adam Bant would be up till four, but only because he'd be driving people home. <laughs> Irrational fear. Who sets a Christmas tree on fire? It's a, it's a tree that unites us, that brings us together. It's about the Christmas spirit. It's it, about Jesus. Today there are no lights because somebody burned down our Christmas tree. I hope we put it back.
Irrational fear. <laughs> this week's third fear. They're a bit behind the times in Andrew Lamming's office. Uh, one of his staffers went to a Halloween party in November dressed as Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager that shot dead two BLM protesters. Now, um, this guy, his name is uh, Barclay McGain, was sacked a couple of years ago from uh, his initial job in the electorate office uh, after posting a video from schoolies that was denigrating Indigenous Australians. And then six months later, he was hired by Lamming, who said that he was an important asset to the office due to staffers' youth connections. Now, um, the only youth connections I can kind of make out from this picture is the Hitler youth. Is that the kind of youth connections? <laughs> that um, Barclay McGain has. What kind of youth connections does Andrew Lamming need in his office, Fiona? So this guy, yes, was a staffer for, for the egregious member for Bowen, the execrable Andrew Lamming who, um, hang on a second, just getting a text from Allegedly. my lawyer here. Um, he is definitely not an upskirter. Not an upskirter. Wow. Allegedly not. Sorry, not allegedly. Definitely not an upskirter. Not never upskirted ever. Fiona, you can say so you can say he's an upskirter if you say, in my honest opinion, he's an upskirter. <laughs> I am not going to say that because, in my honest opinion, he is also a vexatious litigant. All right. So, um, <laughs> all I'm going to say is, as a trained lawyer, I wouldn't take that advice. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> It's great we've got legal representation on the floor. Please stop me if I... That is also not legal advice. <laughs> okay, all right, uh, excellent. But anyway, back to Young, the improbably named Barclay McGain. What pisses me off about this is that these pampered, you know, $2 shop fascists get all their memes and tropes from America. They're not even fucking good enough to come up with their own shit Anyway, you know, and they're supposed to be nationalists. Surely you would think that a nationalist would, mm. you know, have have mm. Aussie things. So yeah, we've got perfectly fine uh, murderers here that you could dress up as. Like you could dress up as Ivan yeah. Milat if you're really keen. You could go as you Martin could. Bryant. People don't forget. Look, we've also got we've also got a perfectly good Kyle Kyle Sanderland. <laughs> exactly, Fiona. It's un Australian. Why is George Christensen not supporting local talent? <laughs> yes. He's talking to US conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. We have a perfectly good Australian conspiracy theorist here at home called Jones. <laughs> Alan Jones, same number, <laughs> the first name has the same number of letters. I'm sure QAnon would have something it's to say about Australian that. It is un Australian. And look, you know, I don't know, we do have our right wing people. I don't know if you've ever listened to Macca of a um, Sunday morning on Radio National, but he could be our Bush Tucker Carlson. He's, you know, he's a man <laughs> of the right. He loves to complain about how things aren't the same as they used to be, but never quite saying why, but mm-hmm. maybe we know why. You know, you know, so are, you allowed to, are you allowed to say that you've been cancelled when you get your job back? <laughs> you uh, are. If you're you right wing, yeah, you are. Right, you you are. can talk about it all the time. You can go on every platform. You can get a million jobs and use them all to complain about how you've been cancelled. That is the, the nature of the deal. But if you're, um, you know, Yasmin Abdul-McGee, then you just cancel straight out of the country and you're never allowed to complain. Yeah, it's the it's the it's it's called the grievance industrial complex. It's a cycle. It is the grievance <laughs> industrial mm, complex. Like Speaking of which, another person you could cosplay as from the right, if you wanted to, Australian right, good Aussie right, Daisy Cousins, because she'd be really easy to cosplay because she is fully cosplaying herself all the time as a... Uh, <laughs> 
lead role in a in a community theatre production set in a Wild West saloon. So <laughs> they're there. We've got the people. And also they're a bit shit, so maybe they would tamper our expectations and we wouldn't get the crazy right wing and it would diffuse <laughs> the whole thing and everyone would just go home in embarrassment. There we go. I don't know. That makes that, 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 That's my solution. That makes complete sense. Thank you so much for that. Our interview guest tonight is no stranger to stories that are genuinely dangerous. In fact, last time I saw her in the flesh was about May 2015. She was bolting out of a foyer from a Manila hotel to her transport, and I got the feeling she definitely didn't want to be seen by any Australians, particularly Australians who have lots of followers on Twitter. Uh, She is a former foreign correspondent, now turned local independent candidate. It's Zoe Daniel. Welcome, Zoe, to Irrational Fear. Hello, everyone, and I'm totally out of my depth here, just to be clear, as a starting point. (laughs) You're running for parliament. We're just sitting on our asses. That's the headline in the Australian tomorrow. Zoe Daniel says she's out of her depth. In this in this podcast, not in the political sphere. <laughs> it's funny what people are scared of. I've had firemen come up after gigs and say, oh, I couldn't do what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, welcome to Irrational Fear. It is a real privilege to have you. This is um, a bit of a strange one because you are running as an independent in the next election. And I guess the question you have to be answering quite often lately is why? Uh, Because it's time, to borrow a phrase. Something has to give, I think. And what's become evident since we launched, which is now almost two weeks ago, and that's a bit of a blur, is that there's huge support behind this independent movement. And I've just experienced the most uplifting couple of weeks, I guess, having had a pretty negative view of democracy and where we're at politically, I actually feel really positive about it after a couple of weeks as a candidate because we've had this overwhelming support. Everything from my inboxes overflowing on every platform email uh, that you could consider, my phone melting down, people stopping at my front gate, people stopping me in the street, people stopping me in the shopping centre, just to say we're so relieved that you're stepping up and, and thank you and being really grateful and excited. So this is a, a really positive sort of tipping point moment, I think. Was the main person stopping you Tim Wilson? Was Tim Wilson <laughs> trying to stop you in the street <laughs> to say, please stop running? I haven't run into Tim so far and I may have been practising avoidance on that. So, you know, um, just running my own race. What's the one message you're hearing, Zoe? Yeah, the overarching message is accountability is lost and we've got to get it back. And that applies to all of the policy positions. Our main pillars are good, forward-thinking, economically-focused climate policy and integrity commission, but also broader integrity in politics, transparent economic management and genuine equality and safety for women. And that accountability piece sits over all of those things. People feel that they've lost control of the process that the party political system has just become argy-bargy at each other and all about getting re-elected and that every policy position is about how it plays rather than what's actually meaningful to people and communities. And Mm. because this is a a bottom-up movement driven by people in local communities, what those people really want is that accountability back. Have you been in touch with the other crossbench independents like Zali Stegel and Helen Haynes? Sure, I've spoken to Zali. I know her a little bit because, you know, 
journo. So I've interviewed Dali a couple of times. She's been in touch just to offer informal support. I haven't spoken to Helen Haynes. Her predecessor, Kathy McGowan, is a very old friend of mine. We've known each other since the mid-90s. We actually did a trip to the US together with a group of rural women in 1998. That was actually my first ever trip overseas and possibly launched me into foreign correspondenthood. Wow. So I've talked to Kathy a lot and Kathy was, you know, a big advocate and sort of chief convincer in terms of getting me on board to to do it. So, I mean, I, if what you're getting at, Mike, there's no formal relationship between the independents and I know that that's being pushed and, of course, we have some common positions and synergies and perhaps there is some informal discussion going on but there, there's no formal collaboration in any way. I've got a question that kind of goes from that or no. Um, can I just ask, Zoe, because I, I can totally understand why people see the appeal of independence more and more. It's everything you've said about losing trust in the system. When one more person steps away from the party system, I mean, when I see the problem sometimes is the lack of consensus. Can you tell me how you think having lots of independence helps that or is that something that is a difficulty? Well, you know, I think... Some people put forward the position that if you have more independence or if if Parliament's being potentially controlled by the crossbench, that mm. creates a, a stall. And, yeah. But I actually think the reverse. I think we are stalled. So I think that independence can actually create progress. And yeah. I think particularly if you get a group of people who are keen for collaboration, conversation. And so someone like me, I mean, I, I've spent you know, 30 years, but especially the last 15 years as a correspondent, to often talking to people with reverse views to me. Mm. So I've really learned to learn from them, to perhaps adapt some of their views into my position, and if not that, to consider their position, how they're affected by things that I'm not. And so all of those things, therefore, potentially play into how I would behave as a crossbencher, and I'm a, I'm actually a sincerely a swinging voter, someone who votes basically right, yeah. on policy and who the leadership team is. I'm not ideological at all, so I am actually really keen to have those conversations with whichever party is in power and the other crossbenchers to try to create some progress on some of these intractable issues. That brings me to me to my next question. When will you defund the ABC? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Well, I mean, look, it's a it's a bit of a um, a chestnut, isn't it? ABC journalist runs for parliament, and therefore the <laughs> assumption is that the person is a you know rabid lefty. And you know, as I've just said, I'm much more nuanced than that. But I, I think actually that I'm on pretty solid ground saying that funding to the ABC and SBS should be restored. The majority of the Australian population sees the ABC as the most trusted media organisation in the country and indeed the Goldstein electorate agrees with that. Um, But beyond that, as a reporter who's worked across several continents seeing, you know, disastrous disintegration of democracy, especially in the United States where there is not well-funded public media. I think there's a very strong argument uh, for our democratic process for the ABC and SBS to be um, very solidly supported by taxpayer funds. We talk a lot about climate change on this um, 
on this podcast quite a lot. You know, where it's kind of the reason why the podcast exists. Um, these independents that are kind of coming up now, they're trying to take space away from, you know, good, hardworking liberal coalition uh, people who absolutely believe in climate change. They believe in climate change so much. Uh, they've put it on their marketing. I don't know if you've seen, this is Dave Sharma's marketing. He's uh, He's got a pamphlet that says net zero climate action. And in your electorate, Zoe, uh, your local member, Tim Wilson, has a pamphlet that says delivering carbon net you, net your all future the Australian way. Uh, that's uh, that's some um, that's some pretty clever stuff, you know. Indeed, yeah. I wasn't sure if natural was a, an actual play on net zero or whether it was an actual spelling error, but uh, either way, I think it <laughs> it fell flat. I mean, look, I, I want to be clear that I think there's some pretty negative politics that people are really sick of, and I'm really going to go with the we go high kind of rationale during this campaign. But but what I would say about the so-called liberal moderates is watch what they do, not what they say. You know, they campaign on particular positions and then they vote with the National Party every single time. And that's why we're stuck. And if people are worried about having a hung parliament, we actually have a hung parliament now and that parliament is controlled by the National Party and that's why we're not getting progress on climate policy that last two weeks of Parliament, I've been around a very long time and I've, I've seen a lot of these. I've never seen a more disrupted and out of control in both houses with people crossing the floor. Uh, Bridget Archer in the lower house, hardly what you'd call a lefty socialist uh, from the seat of Bass. In the upper house, you had four or five of them crossing the floor. It was the Star Wars cantina. So in many ways, you're right, it, it was a hung Parliament and it was out of control. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, in some ways I, I sort of, uh, it was a pretty toxic last couple of weeks of Parliament, don't get me wrong, but some of that I think is good. You know, the, that disruption that we saw, that finally people being prepared to cross the floor, I think is a bit of a sign of the times that people are demanding more courage, more courage of their conviction from from their politicians and that's why people are starting to gravitate towards independence because we won't have to vote with our party on party lines. Every vote will be not only a conscience vote but but a brain vote. Like we will actually <laughs> look at the legislation on its merits, consider the impact, consider that against the backdrop of what we've campaigned on for our various electorates and then say, okay, this is how I'm going to vote on that. I really enjoyed your comment about this is a vote for brains. Is this why in every bit of marketing you're wearing your glasses? <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, age does happen. And uh, I used to be able to get away with not wearing my glasses so much, but now. This is a really big decision to go into. You know, uh, Alex Turnbull put up a really interesting post the other day about politics and being in a family, the polit political family and the kind of stresses that has with inside the family. What did you what did you talk to your family about when you were making this decision? Like how did you come to this this decision to to run and, you know, put, you know, everyone you love in the same boat with you? Yeah, so when I was initially approached, my response was no. Nah. No, um, I can't do that. I can't do that to my family. Who approached you? Are you allowed to tell? Yeah, my well, my friend Ange Pipos, who's um, a journo, ABC journo from way back, and she and I know, have known each other for 30 years. We went to university together. She was asked if she knew anyone. She said, oh, I know the perfect person, um, which is thanks very much, Ange. Now we're 
sort of in this together because Andrew's supporting me as well <laughs> through the campaign. Um, but, it, it, you know, if I had any reservation about it, it was how it would affect my family. And also this is coming from the perspective of someone who's been a foreign correspondent for 15 years, so getting calls at 3am and jumping on planes and going to mass shootings and natural disasters and conflict zones and all sorts of pressure and not, not spending a lot of time with my kids. My kids are now 13 and almost 15. I'm, I'm in Melbourne. I'm enjoying life. And then suddenly, oh, why don't you run for federal parliament and take on all of this <laughs> pressure and, you know, have everything coming from all sides for the next several years? My kids have been so supportive of this because they, I think they think I've, I have something that I can contribute that's valuable. So I was sort of going around and around on it for a couple of months and then and my son said, look, Mum, you can do something for us. You, someone's got to do Ooh. something, you can do something for us. Oh. And then we were in the car, I was taking him to footy training and I said, look, I, I'm going to do it. I've decided I'm going to do it. He was cheering in the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's great. Excellent. I, I what a great feeling. Yeah, I said, look, bud, I've still got to go through an interview process and stuff. You know, they might not choose me. He said, the first step is to say yes. Everything else will flow from that. I mean, this the wisdom. So how old How old is How old is your son again? He, he's 14. Uh, yeah. Does your son do corporate coaching? <laughs> I, I really need him to coach. So that can be really good. Zoe, if the good burgers of uh, Goldstein elect you as their next representative, how are you going to go on the other side of the camera? Um, we can be a fairly unforgiving bunch of people in the... Are, are you are threatening you her, her Mike Bowers? Oh. Oh. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, it's okay. I, look, I think I'm doing okay so far, many couple of weeks in. I'm not afraid of it. You know, I don't fear the media. It's to do with communicating with our communities and that much as it has become a combative relationship, it doesn't always have to be. And I, I feel like if I'm on solid ground with my facts and my honesty, then that's fine. I can stand on that. Okay. And so, Zoe, you're not afraid of the media, but are you afraid of, like, backgrounding nasties, nastiness sort of backgrounding from the Liberal Party who seem to be very good at this kind of thing and especially sort of targeting it at women? Does that, is that something that, like, and even then, even, even if stuff isn't, tr- you know, true but is suge- suggested or, you know, just that whole thing, is how, how are you coping with that? Look, it's not nice to have nasty things said about you, especially if those things are skewed. And I actually think my husband was perhaps more concerned about that than I was because I'm kind of used to being trolled as an ABC journalist, so I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. But, but I, you know, again, I think my approach will be that that just has to wash over. So I have talked to the kids as well about, Sometimes something people will say stuff about mum that's not true or a bit off and you just have to let it go through to the keeper. Well, Zoe, we are so lucky to have someone who knows the person you're up against very well. Yanni went to school with Tim Wilson. (laughs) He can pick. He's got the Achilles heel for you. He's got something. He's got, you know, a a bunch of techniques to bring him down. No, no, I went to school with Tim Smith. Oh, the other guy. Oh, no, the other Tim. The other bad Tim in in Melbourne. Oh, no. Well, I'm sure the broad principles are similar. (laughs) All Tims are the same. No, they're not. I've got a Tim. He's good. He's not. He's a Collingwood supporter. Oh, shut up. 
Sorry, Mike knows my Tim. He's good. He's good. Yanni, do you have any hot tips to bring down um, pretentious um, schoolboys? No, I only have tips on how to create them. <laughs> I think I, I think I think I may have insulted a future Victorian MP when we were playing cricket once, and he started crying when he was the wicketkeeper. And now I don't know if I did that or not. <laughs> All right, so now he's he's out to get you. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just saying maybe like I wounded him so deeply that now he needs to seek public approval or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, that is it for Irrational Fear. A big thank you to all of our guests today: Mike Bowers, Yanni Gislo, Fiona Katowskis, Zoe. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Do you guys have anything to plug, Mike? No, not really. I, I, I just wanted to add a final observation this week that um, I was amazed to see our Prime Minister Scott Morrison go and worship at the Cathedral of Australian Motorsport, Mount Panorama, on the weekend. Doubly ironic given he was part of a government that oversaw the complete destruction of the Australian car industry. And that great bastion of Australian motorsport has always been proudly Australian, Ford versus is Holden, and in a few years' time, it will be Mustangs not made here, and uh, and Camaros not made here. So I guess the fact that he was running around using a line from the Talladega Nights uh, movie "Shake and Bake" was rather appropriate, <laughs> really. Uh, Fiona, do you want to plug anything? Uh, no pluggables. Just vote. I was going to say early and often, but just vote once because that's what we allow in this country. <laughs> just the and uh, who knows when we're going to do it? But yeah, just, 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 just the, the once. once. Yanni, just do you want to plug anything? Um, I'm launching a writing channel on Substack called Joined Up Thinking. That's kind of the, the whole deal. Uh, although I have been, quote, unquote, launching it for about six months. So keep an eye out or just, you know, message me and go, just don't keep it all inside, Yanni. We want to know what's in there. I want to I subscribe to Joined Up Thinking. That's great. <laughs> Zoe, what would you like to plug? Just spread the word. If you're interested in what we're doing and jump on the website, zoedaniel.com.au and have a look around at our policies and talk to your friends. And it's all guerrilla marketing and it's going to be about conversation. Just the ones. Great. Just Thank the you. ones. Just the ones. Big thanks to Roadmarks, the Bertha Foundation, our Patreon supporters and the Australian Podcast Awards. We won the best comedy podcast in Australia um, last week, which is amazing. Yay! So good. I know. Yay! So after, we, after we just, you know. I'm drowning uh, in the reflected yeah, yeah. glory. <laughs> Round of applause. It's it. The Big thank you to the real Pembo, David Bluestein, Maddie Palmer, Killian David on the Discord, Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki timeline. This month we, uh, we lost six Patreons this month despite winning the award, but gained one, so I don't know why this is but big thank you to Alistair Buda Muzijan for joining us on the Patreon uh, if please if you listen to us on the Patreon hit us uh, listen to us each week hit us up on the Patreon because uh, your money helps to buying frivolous things like the ham we sent the chaser uh, when they came forth in the <laughs> in the podcast awards uh, also we've got a live show at the Sydney Opera House with Amy Rumikas, Matt Keane uh, we've also got Lewis Hobber uh, Dylan Bain from News Fighters, Gabby Bott from The Chaser, and another special comedy guest. So please head over to our show notes to get tickets. When? When is that? January 29th. January 29th um, at the Ooh, Sydney Opera okay. House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a really, really huge show. It's our 10-year anniversary. We've been doing this podcast for 10 wow. years. I know. Uh, and so thank you so much. And Zoe, thank you so much for joining us on Irrational Fear. Really appreciate you giving up your another night, one of many nights you're going to have to give up to talk to podcasters like us. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. All right. See you, Zoe. See you next time. Bye. See you, Zoe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.